Welcome, everybody. This is Brother Marty Martinez coming to you uh, once again today on April the 1st, 2020. The world is under lockdown. The church's doors are shut. And we're coming to you with our 14th hour from our underground bunker, as some people say. Uh, <laughs> with with pirate radio here and podcasting, seeking to reach the lost and 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 to convert the backslidden and to encourage those that love the Lord Jesus Christ. So anyway, we're going to get into some really neat things today. I pray by the Spirit of the Lord, and we're looking forward to uh, to what the what the Lord has for us. Um, uh, before we came on the air, we were talking uh, and discussing some things uh, in the Word out of John chapter two. So, if you have your Bibles, go and get John chapter two in your in your Bibles there and, and, and follow along. And uh, Brother Jeremy had some really cool things that he was sharing to us with out of there. And I would kind of like him to open up the program today. And and as we flow, we'll get into into what it is the Lord is telling us. And so, Brother Jeremy. Uh, go ahead and, 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 and minister to us. And Brother Jeremiah uh, Estrada is with us as well. And as always, Brother Fernando Milan. And so we're, we're looking forward. We're looking forward to this uh, to this time. Brother Jeremy, uh, bless people. Amen. Amen. You know, what a time uh, that we are living in in this hour. And uh, right now at, at the beginning of the, this podcast, Brother Marty said something. We're living today in our churches in America are closed. And I just want to share something that that the Lord showed me uh, from the book of John in chapter 2. So because of what we see right now is that the churches are closed. In other words, there's been a disruption that has taken place. It's no longer right now at this moment in America business as usual in our churches. Something has come to disrupt um our church services something has come to disrupt our church programs something has come to disrupt our church finances and so forth and so forth and and the question that many have have asked is is this a god thing and and many have come to the conclusion that this possibly cannot be god why would God close his churches? This is when the churches have to be open and all and uh, so forth. But there's something that I found here in the book of, um, of John in chapter two that that really spoke spoke to me, and I believe the Lord did speak to me concerning what is taking place because Jesus would begin his ministry in chapter two. We see that he 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 does his first miracle of turning the water into wine. And now at the beginning of his ministry, he now goes as uh, with his disciples and his family and he finds himself in his first Passover. And something interesting takes place. And the Bible tells us in uh, verse uh, 13 of the book of John, if you have it with us, and the Jews Passover was at hand. Remember, we've been using the template of the Passover to declare unto you of things that have come throughout history, throughout the Word of God. Examples we find in the story of the book of Exodus in chapter 12, and other examples in Lazarus, the story that we've been talking about, and so forth. And it says, and the Jews' Passover was at hand. Look what it says, and Jesus went up 
to Jerusalem. Jerusalem was the epic center of, of, these, of this feast where people would literally come from all over the world to come and participate. This was a time, what should have been a time of reflection. This is a time for them to reflect how God let him out. But in turn, Jesus comes, and the Bible says that he found that they sold oxen and sheep and doves and, and, and the changers of money. This is the, the picture that Jesus sees. And all of a sudden, the Bible says that he made a scourge of small cords. He drove them all out of the temple, the sheep, the oxen. He poured out the changers of money and overthrew the tables. In other words, <laughs> we see Jesus in his ministry, in his first Passover coming, and instead of being received and instead of coming to a, this tremendous, powerful church, he comes and he disrupts the whole business of the temple. He comes to disrupt what they were doing, a business, selling, uh, uh, exchanging, and, 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 and this is not the house that he recognized. Remember in Luke, he would say, my house shall be, shall be a house to the nations, a house of prayer. Yes. And so we see here what the Lord is showing us. Uh, see, Jerusalem was to be, I call it the epic center in the sense that it was to be an example to all the nations. This is what all the nations of the world sought to worship the true and only God. And here God himself, the Lamb of God, who, who would who would uh, in just a few years would become the Passover, the lamb, a, a, a representative of everything that they, that they remembered was Jesus Christ himself. And he comes, and instead of congratulating and, 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 receive, and being received, he goes and he turns the tables over. And he disrupts their, he disrupts their order of services. Think about that. The first thing Jesus did right before Passover, was to come and disrupt the services and the, and the things that were taking place. And I say this because I believe in my heart that in this hour, the reason, the reason why our churches are closed, this is not a, the thing, this is not the devil. I see a lot of people casting out devils and saying, you're trying to come against the church, but we're going to, no, 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 no. This is a God thing. Could it be that possibly uh, God is telling us the same thing in this hour. I am not pleased with your sacrifices. I am not pleased what what you have made. You have made my house a place of a den of thieves, selling, selling your doctrines, selling your programs, selling your conferences, selling your bits, and 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 filling the world instead of seeing in you, America, an example which you once were when you sent out ministers and missionaries and preachers and evangelists. Now what you're sending out, it does not, it's not the gospel. To close here, right. he said unto them, he said unto them, this is what caught my attention in verse 16. He said unto them that sold doves. And quickly, I believe the Lord brought to memory the, the, what happened in, uh, when, when Jesus was to be baptized. He said there was a dove that descended from heaven symbolic of the Holy Spirit, and a voice was heard, right? This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. But it's interesting that he, 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 um, he, uh, uh what's the word I want to use? 
he directs himself to those who sow doves. In other words, symbolically to me, telling them the things of the spirit, you have now made of it merchandise, which are yes. Holy Ghost conferences, which are books, with this and that. You have made a mockery, and, and, and you have made it a merchandise, a product. And he says, take these things hence and make not my father's house a house of merchandise. And his disciples remembered what it was written, and the zeal that thy house hath eaten thee up. And then the Jews, and this is something that Brother Marty brought out yesterday in Matthew chapter 16, when the Jews went to ask Jesus to demand a sign from him. Doesn't it seem like every time, you know, that's what we see. We, the, the people, the, the false preachers, doctors, just people that are, the false preachers, the false uh, prophets, always demanding a sign from God. And he answered the Jews and said, to, and the Jews said unto him, what sign shall you show us unto us, seeing that thou dost these things? And I want to leave it here and give it to you, Brother Marty, but read this verse. I want to read this verse. Jesus answered and said unto them, destroy this temple, and in this three days will I raise it up. I will raise it up. Now, as we take it from here, it's interesting. You will see it, and I know Brother Marty and you guys can, can expand it a little bit more. It's the response of the Jews. They, it totally went over their head. They, didn't, they misunderstood what Jesus was talking about. Look at their answer. For 46 years was this temple in building, and will thou rear it up in three days? But what they failed to discern is that Jesus was speaking of the temple of his body. So I just wanted to bring out those, you know, th those truths that the Lord spoke to me concerning uh, the parallel that we see with this story and with our churches being closed in America and what is taking place in our country today. And I'll leave it to you guys, Brother Marty, if you want to take it from here. Yeah, that's that's really good. That's really powerful, Brother Jeremy, and uh, what you're pointing out there. And, and, and I don't want the people to miss or, or us miss what, what the Lord is showing you there. It's really interesting how you pointed out uh, and what we've been talking about is the pandemic that we are, are under right now, this sickness that's gripping the world that has literally shut everybody in their houses, occurred during the Passover season, uh, leading up to the Passover season. And we've been pointing out that is it, it is no accident, we believe, that all these events that have been transpiring and have now come to rest on the shores of America, the rest of, uh, of the rest of the world, is occurring at the Passover season. Even when I think about it, as Brother German, as you were bringing it up, uh, the Lord uh, and Brother Fernando, you mentioned it the other day, how interesting it, it is that in the world, from the media, from politicians, other people, uh, we're hearing, we're hearing uh, terms like apocalyptic or plague or it's like an exodus or, or it's midnight, right? How many, how many, how many countries said, you know, y'all got to go home at midnight, right? It's like it's like God is speaking, you know, midnight, you know, plagues and all this stuff. Uh, and even the president of the United States uh, a few days ago, uh, in 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 his attempt to to restart the economy, he mentions Easter or Passover, right? He says, "I want to fill right. the churches up at Easter." So it's in the air, and 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 it's being proclaimed. And if we have eyes to see and ears to hear, uh, then then we need to pay attention to events that were surrounding the Passover. 
And like Brother Jeremy brought out, which is very, very cool, is is that is is how Jesus came to the Passover and and in verse fourteen, like Brother Jeremy was saying, what does he find when he came? Now remember it's important to point out that Jesus cleansed the temple in Jerusalem two times. At the beginning of his ministry and again at the right. end of his ministry, right? And so when he comes at the beginning, he finds in the temple uh, an entire entrenched system of merchandise attached to what is probably the holiest thing that has ever happened, and that was the slaying of the lamb for the exodus of the people, right? And, and so when Jesus finds in the temple ox and sheep and doves and, and money changers it's interesting what brother jeremy was saying is is he drives them out well to the gentiles or even the gentile church that is anyone who's not Jude jew or familiar with judaism what jesus was actually doing was beginning to fulfill that purification in advance of passover because remember verse 13 says the Passover was at hand. In other words, it wasn't exactly the Passover, but it was just days before it, leading up to it. And there's a practice that the Jews have before they kill the Passover and celebrate the Passover, and that is that they go throughout their houses and they begin to remove all the leaven. And, and, and they begin to clean out every little corner, every little nook, in order that the house might be free from leaven. Because leaven is a type of sin. And so when Jesus comes into uh, Jerusalem on his first Passover, the very first thing that he does, just ahead of the Passover, is he begins to fulfill the, the, the ceremony or the prophecy, of, if you will, of the removing of the leaven. Remember on the night uh, leading up to the Passover, God told them to make bread, but to do it without leaven. And then when they right. left, Right, they left. It says that that they they left with unleavened bread because they didn't have time to bake normal bread. Uh, the bread itself is a uh, is, is is a thin, flat little piece of bread called matzah, right? And so that's kind of what they went out with. It looks like a tortilla, right? I mean, it's <laughs> so you didn't know the Jews were part Mexican, right? No, I'm kidding. But anyway, <laughs> so so Jesus comes into Jerusalem and he he begins to fulfill that feast of unleavened bread, he goes to his father's house, and what does he find? And it's so profound what you were saying, Brother Jeremy, for what the Lord was telling and is telling you, is that the, the churches in America's nation are shut. The ministries are shut, whether big or small. They're all shut. And that means that they're, they're not being allowed to gather it's as if the Lord has come and done what he, what you were telling us he's speaking to you. He is doing that. He is taking away the leaven from his house. Mm. Now, that is exactly – now, look at what he did. He removes the, the, the ox, the sheep, the doves, and the money changers. I mean, an entire system of commerce is what he wow. chooses to, to take away just before Passover. And we've been talking about this right over the last several broadcasts where we've been talking about notice that that what has really begun to impact these mega churches and these the ruling religious elite class, like we've been calling them, a well-entrenched, established 
hyper charismatic Pentecostal establishment and throw in a few denominations just for seasoning, all of them have become corrupt. It's all about money. It's all about prestige. It's all about political power. And this is what Jesus finds when he comes days before the Passover. Something holy is about to emerge out of this. Something beautiful. And yet at the same time, something will remain, which will go on to become a corrupted church, completely devoid of the Lord himself. And so in verse 15, what Brother Jeremy was pointing out, which I really like as well, is that how he chose uh, to drive it out. He takes a, a scourge or a whip, right, of small cords. John emphasized small. So in other words, he didn't have an Indiana Jones whip. Right? It, wasn't, it wasn't this 10, 12-foot long whip, right? It, it, it was a small thing. Why? Because it represents how how close he would get to it. In other words, wow. he was there he was there to inspect even the tiniest thing, right? And so he comes real close to it in order that he himself would drive it out. And as you again you pointed out, which I thought was a great point, Brother Jeremy, that the preachers, the establishment, the whole system, especially at that backslidden level of false prophets and false churches and that whole thing we've talked about ad infinitum, they do not realize and and they do not understand that it is the Lord that is cleaning his house right now. They yes. are being dealt with. And and look what he does in verse 15. He drives them, all of them, out of the temple. Every one of them is experiencing uh, trouble right now. He completely overturns the tables of the money changers, right? You know, that's where they would lay out the money and they would, you know, they just deal with money. Well, that's kind of what's happened right now. Like we talked about yesterday, we were talking about how there's two major networks and there's going to be more that are already suffering. Uh, and I'm not going to name them, but they have literally laid off their entire staff and only remaining with the skeleton crew because the offerings over the last three weeks have so dropped that they're not they're not being able to run the enormity of their of their kingdoms, their religions. And, and they're mm -hmm. basically just just, uh, you know, broadcasting uh, what they can. But uh, my point is, is that is that he's overturning the tables where the money is. He's getting their attention, and what he's actually doing is he's he's cleaning the house. Listen, it's just before Passover as we record these messages. It's just before Easter, right? And it's so it's yeah, no but... it's 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 no mistake, Brother Jeremy, what the Lord is showing you. That is what he's saying. He's saying, "Look, I'm cleaning my house because something holy is about to take place." Mm -hmm. And so, and then he he really calls them on the carpet in verse 16, like you were saying, because he said he he and I, this is the Lord. He was saying uh, to them that sold doves, and 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 you're right about the dove coming down uh, representing the Holy Spirit, but also in Levitical law, the dove was 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 set aside. Uh, you know, it was the rich folk who could offer an ox or a sheep, right? Uh, it was the rich right. folk who could do that. But the doves were re were reserved for the poor. Yeah. And so, what he's really revealing there is that you have you have turned every facet of my father's house into a corrupt 
place and a corrupt system to the point that you don't have any vetwensa, right? You don't have any, <laughs> you don't have any right. like compassion or shame. conscience, no shame, exactly. Uh, so that even the even the poor, you're you're turning the poor into merchandise. And he says, remove these things from my father's house. This type of thing. And and then and and what they didn't realize is what was happening, which is what the Lord was showing you in verse 17, is a prophetic event was being unfolded. And that's why John mentions that it is written, right? Verse 17, chapter 2, verse 17, his disciples remembered that it is written. So a prophetic event was unfolding at a Passover right. season, which caused the temple to be cleansed. And it was it was it was spoken by the Lord. In, by the prophets of old, and it was fulfilled in the first Passover that Jesus shows up, and in the last Passover, which is where we're headed. But notice what you said here, because because I think that that what what you were saying is that is that that's the event we're living in right now, and that we are witnessing prophetic events unfold. That's why John points out it's written. Now, verse eighteen, it says. Uh, but the Jews said, what sign do you show unto us seeing that thou doest these things? In other words, they have no discernment, just yes. like they have no discernment right now, right? That's what you're saying. Yeah. They, they, they don't even recognize the truth of what God is saying to us, to all of us. I'm cleansing yeah. my house. Just as he shut the temples and, and has not allowed them to be opened, in essence, he's cleaning house. And 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 in the same reason, we should be examining ourselves and cleaning our own lives up, right? So then he goes on to verse 19. It says, destroy this temple in three days. I will raise it up. This is very spiritual talk. It, it represents, of course, his resurrection, which we'll talk about uh, not at length here today. But he's going to raise up his true church at the end of time. Remember, a day with the Lord is as a thousand years and a thousand years as a day. Mary mm -hmm. came to the tomb early in the morning so it it, it represents a, a period of time that is going to transpire and that the passover is going to signify and signal that a resurrection is just ahead the jews respond by saying 46 years was this temple in, in in building and you're going to rear it up in three days in other words what they were saying is this is a well entrenched establishment <laughs> this mm. place right <laughs> you really think you're going to bring it down Right, and that's really those who, who right? Brother Marty, those who, does, this, yeah, go ahead. does this translate into today? People are saying, you mean 40 years of ministry, 50 years all to the drain in just a couple of days and a couple of weeks? Wow. Kind of like today, yeah, right? Yes, I agree. Because <clears throat> it is about 40 years, 50 years that this whole thing is has kind of grown into this ugly old monster, right, in Jerusalem, you know, in, yeah. in America. Because like you pointed out, brother, you know, he goes up to Jerusalem, and if we're going to apply a spiritual metaphoric interpretation to this, then we can say that the United States has become the seat of Christianity. Right. It really has. Right. And and it yeah. has infected the whole world. I mean, our, we, used to our, our we used to travel. Yes. Go ahead, Brother Mark. Go ahead, brother. Martin. We used to travel. We used to travel to Africa all the time, and we, as you all know, and we and we did a whole bunch of crusades for about eight or nine years over there. And I I recently looked uh, at one of the churches over there uh, to see how they were doing, and I was shocked and saddened because they had become a complete reflection 
of what we see, whether it be at, at Bethel in Redding, California, or whether it's uh, Hillsong, you know, the, the whole hyper-charismatic mega church movement here in America, they basically have become little children of that whole movement. And it initiated, uh, it, it began here in America, and it's flooded the whole world and corrupted it. And they cannot believe that, that God himself would bring it down. But that's what's happening. It's going to be brought down from what it was before. It's going to emerge out of this thing that we're experiencing and become the very church that will be given over to the spirit of Antichrist. It will remove Jesus from its presence completely. But there will be a true church emerging. Now in verse 21, he says, this he spoke of his temp of the temple of his body. Now with that in mind, let's quickly go to John chapter 12. Do you have anything to say, Brother Fernando, Brother Jeremiah? Let's keep going. Yeah, excellent word, Brother Jeremy. Excellent word. And and it flows right here because what we're talking about is what we're going to see today. And we'll probably just get into a little bit of it and we'll expound on it tomorrow even greater. But look at this because we've been talking about the Lazarus effect, right? And, and the Passover cleansing like Brother Jeremy was bringing out. The Lazarus effect we've been putting forth uh, represents to us in our time and what we believe the Spirit of God is saying is that a sickness came in which resulted in death just before Passover. And and remember, and you need to go back and listen to these podcasts so you understand what we're talking about. We don't, we're not going to get into that today because we've already gone through the whole events. And we've come to this point now where, where the Passover is just ahead. If we look at John chapter 12, verse 1, look at this. It says, Jesus, six days before the Passover, he comes back to Bethany. And remember, after Jesus rose Lazarus from the dead, he had to go away because they wanted to kill him. And we talked about Caiaphas raising up and saying one man should die for the whole nation. And we began to talk about it, and we haven't really gotten into it in depth. But Caiaphas, though a historically accurate figure and the narrative is correct, is yet a foreshadow of our time because he represents that false prophet that the book of Revelation talks about in Revelation 13, verse 11. That, that false one that will join with that Roman-like global establishment, and the two will merge and turn their attention to focus to, to destroy the church or to, in, in their time, to destroy the Lord Jesus Christ. So when we get to, to, to John chapter 12, what we see is that six days before the Passover came, Jesus comes back. He comes back to Bethany. And the word Bethany means the house of misery. It is a prophetic lens that we apply to our times because we find ourselves now just before the Passover and the whole world is in misery. The whole world finds itself completely oppressed by this spirit of death that is galloping across the planet. He comes where Lazarus, uh, where Lazarus was, which had been dead, whom he raised from the dead. And there they made him a supper. Martha serves him, but, but Lazarus was one of them that sat at the table with him. Now look at this. It says that Mary took a pound of ointment of spikenard, very costly, and he anoints the feet, and she anoints the feet of Jesus. She wipes his feet with her hair, and the house is filled with the with the with the beautiful smell of the ointment, the odor of the ointment. And then it says, one of his disciples, Judas, uh, speaks up. 
So now let's take a look at this. In order to understand this story and its prophetic implications and what I believe God is revealing to us now, because understand that these events are, are happening in the scripture here just ahead of the Passover. We are just ahead of the Passover as we find ourselves at this time, April the 1st, 2020, right? But this yeah. Passover, it, right, it signaled two things. It signals two things are coming. Calvary was just ahead, which we now know, right? And and the resurrection. Now, to understand this event, we need to look at the other accounts of the same event. Now, I want to take you over to show you something. Now, remember what Mary does. Where does she anoint him? On his feet, right? Right. Are you awake? Right. 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 Now, right. Amen. But let's go back over to Mark, and this is this is where we'll you're gonna have to fasten your seatbelts here because this is really really this 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 knocked me down this morning. I mean, when I was seeking God this morning, and and then the Holy Spirit spoke to me something, I went, "Oh my God!" I mean, this this really did take me aback, and 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 it stunned me. Listen, after two days, this is the same dinner, but notice. Did I tell you Mark 14? Notice what, what Mark does okay. in, in, in his account uh, as he writes this same account. It says, after two days was the feast of Passover. So in John, he tells us Jesus is coming towards Bethany, and he, he arrives about six days before the Passover. But the actual supper, apparently, four days later, begins to take place uh, two days before the Passover. Now listen, and of unleavened bread. That's what we were talking about, Brother Jeremy. You were sharing about the cleansing of the temple. Now look at this. Yes. The chief priests and the scribes are seeking how they might take him by craft, by subtlety. Wow. Okay. Mm. And put him mm. to and put him to death. Wow. I I believe that that coming out of this Passover and what the season we find in right now, uh, that 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 behind the scenes, if you will, there is a conspiracy. And even we've already begun to see articles emerge in the media and so forth and so forth, uh, blaming the Christians for the <laughs> for a bunch of stuff that that even that, that they link to this pandemic. But that's for another day. But listen, how they might t take him by craft. This is the spirit of the enemy already conspiring to destroy the Lord. Now, look, at, but they said we can't do this on the feast day because there'll be an uproar of the people. Right. So this tells this tells me we're going to come through this and go on the other side, but that's another day. Now listen, now look, because now we find out, and I've always heard people say, you know, they were in Lazarus's house, but they weren't. They were in Simon the leper's house. Look, in verse three it says, "Being in Bethany, in the house of who? Simon the leper. Simon the leper. Right. That's where they are. So you have Martha there. You have Mary there." You have Lazarus there, and you have Simon the leper there. And as he sits at meat, there comes a woman having an alabaster box of ointment of spikenard. Very precious. And what does she do? She breaks the box, and she pours it on his head. All right. But I thought... John drew our attention to the fact in John chapter 12 right. that she puts it on his feet. 
so and in and in and in John he mentions her name Mary and he adds to it that she wipes his feet with her hair which we know by scripture that a woman's hair is her glory right mm-hmm. now yes. just cut and paste that and put that away but in mark the first thing that's revealed is that she pours the ointment on his head and and what and what he says about her is that she did this in john it says in order to prepare him for his burial right do you guys remember right. the scripture now yeah. go over back now remember what we just looked at and go back to john 12 okay Remember this, you don't start anointing someone with this ointment on their feet. You start anointing them on their head. And what John fills in is that she anointed his feet. Mark tells us she started with his head, but she finishes with his feet. It's very interesting. The Holy Spirit doesn't say anything by accident because they represent two things. Remember what Jesus, uh, what what John wrote in John chapter 2, which Brother Jeremy was sharing. He said, this he spoke of his temple, which is was his body, right? Now, comparing Scripture with Scripture, and follow my line of thinking here, the Bible teaches us that we are the temple, we are the body. But in this event that's being recorded, that, that is happening around the Passover season, and this is what I'm putting forward to you, is that what's being triggered right now, where the whole world finds itself coming out of, in the midst of a sickness uh, and, and a death, that a church is being born, that indeed, just before Passover, the church houses and and church doors have been shut. It's almost as if a cleansing is taking place for those who have eyes to see and ears to hear. It must happen as we head into this Passover. Just as Jesus had to cleanse his temple the first time and the second time as he was getting ready to go to Calvary. What he reveals in verse 7 of chapter chapter 12 is he says, leave her alone because against the day of my bearing, she's done this. The poor you always have with you, but you, me, you don't always have with you. So in other words, he identifies the act of pouring the ointment on his head as being the the very thing that is a preparation for his crucifixion. Right. But the next thing. And whoever can hear me, hear me, because I believe I'm speaking by the Spirit here. But then in chapter 12, coming out of the whole Lazarus thing we've been talking about, John draws our attention to the feet. Mark draws our attention to the head. John draws our attention to the feet. But when we put the two together, we realize that both the head and the feet were anointed at Passover. Isn't that right? Yeah, right. Okay, now. What do we know about this? Number one, I believe that prophetically what was happening in that Passover, by the anointing of the head, it was signaling that the Lord, the head of the church, would be the first that would be brought into a martyrdom, if you will, or a crucifixion. He was going to be persecuted by the backslidden church and the Roman government. This is is a foreshadow of what the book of Revelation says is precisely going to happen. That there will be a 
false ecumenical society. That is, that is a false church represented by one that looks like a lamb but speaks like a dragon, joining together with a beast system headed by the Antichrist, and they will turn and persecute the church. So there is a, a body yet to be killed, so to speak. Listen, Calvary is the head. That was Jesus. Now, remember what he told the disciples, take up your cross, what? Um, and follow um, me. Right? Now, why the feet? Remember, before the body of Christ existed, it existed in total in the Lord Jesus Christ. He was the body of Christ. <laughs> he was both the right. head, the hands, the arms, the legs, the feet. So he represents yes. the whole church because he's the only one, right? Because God says in the book of Revelation that he was the beginning of the creation of God. He was the first fruits, right? And then after right. him come us. Remember the principle of what he said, except a grain of wheat fall into the earth, uh, it, it, it abides alone. But if it falls it, and dies, it will spring forth and bear much fruit. So until he actually died and came forth out of the grave, he was the whole body. He was the grain of wheat. He was everything all in one. And this is reflective yes. in the head, right? But when Mary anoints his feet, it is very symbolic of what would happen at the end of time. Because the feet is the last part of the body. And it was mm. is as if it was being prophesied, if you have eyes to see and ears to hear, that the head, which we just read in Mark 14, 1 through 3, would first be anointed for burial, for a suffering, for a martyrdom, who would also rise on the third day. But in the act that John points out at a Passover season, his feet are being anointed or prepared for something. And in essence, comparing scripture with scripture, now I put this forth before you. Remember when Daniel interpreted Nebuchadnezzar's dream? He starts with the head of gold, right? But he finishes right. with the feet. And yeah, taking that, that principle and how the angel interpreted it or God interpreted it to Daniel, he showed how that from head to toe represented historical truth, whether it was the head of Babylon, the arms and the, and the, and the chest of silver, which represented the Medo-Persian Empire, the loins of brass, which represented Alexander the Great and his kingdoms, or the two legs of iron, which was the East and Western Roman Empire, which comes down to the toe the 10 toes, partly weak, partly strong. And, and he begins to use that image as an example of, of the unfolding of history. Well, in Jesus's case, we're told that the head is anointed for burial and it wouldn't just be buried, it would raise again, right? But he had to go before us. But in John, we're being told the feet are going to be anointed. And the feet represent the last remnant of Christ. Remember, she anoints him and she wipes his feet with her hair. And I told you to remember that scripture, the hair of a woman is her glory. The feet is the, is the remnant church at the end of time, the last bit of the body of Christ. And her hair wiping those feet and preparing them in type, if you can see it, is being literally said that it's going to be a glorious church, right? Because her hair represents her glory. 
Praise Amen. God. Now let's take it a little deeper, because in some ways she represents, she's representative of the Holy Spirit in a way that will come upon the church at the end, because, or at least she's directed by the Holy Spirit to do what she does when she anoints his feet. But remember this, let's take it a little deeper now. The alabaster box is more, it, it, it had a seal around it. Mm. And the seal mm. had to be broken. Wow. Now, I'm about to submit to you that what was happening when Mary broke the seal, it was almost as if she was being used of God's spirit to foretell a greater event in the future. When the lamb himself will break a seal, and that seal would unleash something out of something. The head first was anointed because he is the head of the church. But at the yes. end of time, the feet are going to be anointed. And it would transpire as the result of the breaking of the seal of the alabaster box. Now, if this is true, then we should see at the breaking of a seal... If the pattern holds true, because what we're talking about is that a sickness came on Lazarus just before Passover. And that out of that, it would trigger a, a foreshadow, if you will, of the, of the end time Passover. But in their day, Jesus would come out of that and then would be betrayed and, and martyred symbolically being prepared for that by the first pouring of the broken box on his head, a foreshadow of a seal that must be broken at the end of time. And if we're, if we're seeing it correctly, then what we're seeing is that the end time church itself was reflective in the feet of Jesus in John chapter 12. And it's a glorious church reflective in Mary washing his feet with this ointment, preparing him for burial with the glory of her hair, she dries him, right? So it's going to be a glorious church. Well, now let's turn over to Revelation chapter 6. With everything I just said, and I know you guys, I can hear your minds going a million miles an hour. So listen. <laughs> Are you there? Revelation 6? Amen. Revelation. No, this is, this is some incredible stuff you're saying here because the truth of the matter is, Nobody wants to really believe and hear what you're really saying, right? Because we have not been taught this uh, here in the West uh, concerning what's coming. You yeah. know, uh, because you know the thought of persecution, um, you know that 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 happens in the Middle East, that happens in right. Africa, you know China. that doesn't happen here in the United States or China. That doesn't happen here in the United States. No, not at all. We're exempt from that. As a matter of fact, um, we'll we'll be gone by the time things like that take place. But remember the principle, and we we always mention this principle. He declares the end from the beginning, and the beginning from the end. Uh, the at the very inception of the church, the birth of the church, it started through persecution. So if the church began through persecution, it's going to end with persecution. That's something hard to, for people, Christians here in America and in the West, to wrap their heads around. But that's 
really what we're saying, where we're going, um, if you have eyes to see and ears to hear. Amen? Correct. Now, that's exactly right. And I believe that this is this <laughs> this will empty your churches quickly, right? <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> but listen, listen, it has to be we said, would, though. Yes, we're going to have to stand before God and give an account for, for what we knew. And if we fail to say it, and we'll let the people be the judge. I mean, this bumps up against all kinds of tradition, right? It bumps yeah. up against all kinds of, of, of eschatology that's been taught over the last hundred years. Because, But it's there in the scripture, what we're talking about, when we're showing you the flow of it. Remember, what happens is a seal is broken. And in that seal being broken, ointment is poured out upon his feet as well. It seems to be indicating, and it's no accident that it's John who writes about this, because it would be John who would write the book of Revelation and talk about the breaking of seals. Now look, right. when we get right. to when we get right when we get to Revelation chapter six, it's interesting as well that 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 the seals that are being opened, and as they're being opened. The four creatures that <laughs> I'm getting way out there, man. The four living creatures that fly before the throne that cry, "Holy, holy, holy!" Right? They're the ones who 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 lead John in the breaking of the seal. But it's the fourth living creature uh, in 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 uh, in chapter uh, in chapter five. We see the yeah. Wait, but wait. Six five. We see the third creature. Six. Uh, four, we see the fourth creature coming, and and he's the one who opens, who directs his attention to what? In in chapter seven, when he had opened the fourth seal, I heard a voice of the fourth beast. Right? It's really not a beast; mm -hmm. he's a living creature. Is the better translation? And it's the fourth one. Now check this out. This is a quick. I mean, this is so much. We're gonna have to go back and review this tomorrow. But look. The four creatures we know from Revelation chapter 4 are the four that fly before the throne, right? They fly before the yeah. throne, and they're the ones who cry, holy, holy, holy. Remember what they look like. One has the face of a lion. One has the face of a calf. One has the face of a man. One has the face mm -hmm. of a flying eagle. So the fourth living being is the flying eagle. But remember, the four – I've lost a lot of people out there, but go look. Revelation no, no, chapter 4 – <laughs> I know you know, but I'm saying whoever's listening yeah. is not used to it. They're going, what? Now what is he talking about? Yeah, Look, yeah, yeah. Right? So so four seven, Revelation four seven is what I'm referring you to. Four seven represents the living being that flies before the Lord that cries holy, holy, holy. And the being or the or the they call it in the King James the, the beast, the the living beast, is really it should be the living creatures. They have uh they have Four faces. This thing has four faces. The face of a lion, the face of a calf, the face of a man, the face of an eagle. Then when we get over to, uh, which, by the way, represent the four Gospels. The face of the lion yeah. is... Yeah, that's a great the point. Gospel, right? The Gospel of Matthew. And mm. the reason the Gospel of Matthew is represented by the lion is because Jesus is presented to the Jewish people in the Gospel of Matthew. He begins with the lineage of David, right? The lion of the tribe of Judah. So the face of the lion represents the Gospel of Matthew. The face of the calf is Matthew represents the Gospel of Mark. 
because Mark is the servant, right? Mark is the servant gospel. You'll read in Mark's gospel more than any other gospel, and it came to pass, and it came to pass, and it came to pass. You know, it's a gospel of action or of servanthood. And when we get to the gospel of, of, of St. Luke, it's represented by the face of the man. This creature has the face of a man. And Luke's gospel, he presents him as the son of man. But when you get to the fourth face, which looks like a flying eagle or the face of an eagle, it's John's gospel. Because John presents him as as that 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 word of God that's always been, right? He has no beginning, no end. And the eagle is representative of that soaring, uh, the holiness of God, its divinity. So check this out. When when we get to the fourth uh, seal being opened, it's opened or he's led to that fourth and fifth seal being opened by the face of the eagle or the creature that represents the eagle. Now, it's no, it, it's no, it's no accident that John is the one who points out to us that Mary anoints his feet after the breaking of the seal of the alabaster box. And she wipes his feet with her hair because it reflects that it will be a glorious church. And we're putting forth the fact that the feet represent the last part of the body of Christ that will be in existence just prior to the second coming of the Lord. But it's going to have to be prepared and brought through a fiery trial in order to perfect it for what it is being asked to do. Now listen. The fourth seal is open, and, and this is why we say that the Lazarus effect, it is almost like the fourth seal has been opened. Because when we see, we see a pale horse or a sickly horse, but one riding him is called death and hell follows with him. Power is given to them over a fourth part of the earth to kill with the sword, with hunger, with pestilence or death, and then with the beasts of the earth. So. So the unleashing of the fourth seal brings forth several things, but but what we're looking at here at the end of it is death and then the beasts of the earth. Death can also be translated as plague or pestilence. So we believe that it's quite possible that what we're witnessing right now in this pandemic is the opening of the fourth seal, the end of it. But after death, what is mentioned are beasts of the earth. It's very symbolic because remember, in the book of Revelation, as we go on into Revelation chapter 13, the Antichrist and the false prophet are called beasts, and the false prophet comes up out of the earth. Everything that you're witnessing in the book of Revelation is symbolic, and yet when you compare Scripture with Scripture, it unlocks and begins to unfold what is actually being said. And so what we're saying is it is possible we have already seen the loosing of the fourth seal in its fullness, which is why the whole planet is under lockdown. But look what follows after it. The breaking of the fifth seal. And I'm proposing to you that we see a foreshadow of what the book of Revelation reveals in its fullness. When the, when the seal of the alabaster box was broken... It was first poured out on, on the Lord's head because he is the first martyr of the church, if you will. But then attention is drawn in John chapter 12, after the seal of the alabaster box is broken, to an anointing of his feet, which I'm telling you is representative of that end time church. 
And because she cleans his feet with her hair, it also speaks of the church being that glorious church because the hair of the woman represents her glory. That's what we're told in, in Corinthians. And so it's interesting that after this sword, this hunger, this, this pestilence, this plague, it's setting the stage for the beasts of the earth. I believe we're beginning to see the stage being set for that coming Antichrist and that false prophet. And then the fifth seal is open. The opening of the fifth seal does what? It prepares the way for souls of them uh, that were slain for the word of God. Now, this is the, and for what? And for the testimony which they held. What is the testimony that they hold? It is the testimony of Jesus Christ, right? Their Savior. But what is the testimony right. of Jesus Christ? It is the spirit of prophecy. Attention is going to be turned by the devil towards those who hold the spirit of prophecy, the true church in this hour. But don't lose my point here because this seal, understand this, the alabaster box is sealed with a wax seal. It's very symbolic of that scroll that was sealed with seven seals, which only Jesus can open. But when we see the seal open and the, and the, and the perfume poured out on his head and his feet, it's a prophecy. And the fact that it's occurring just before Passover could very well be telling us in these days that we have reached the part of the anointing of the feet. That is, this end-time church, this remnant church, is going to be a glorious church, and a fifth seal is about to be open or has been opened. When we come out the other end of this, we're going to see several things. We're going to see that this church we've been talking about, this ruling religious elite class, is going to give itself over fully to everything it's been trying to be just before this plague broke out. It was, it's going to remove Jesus completely and become the very enemy of the Lord they claim to, fall, to follow, a false church. And it will in the coming years, because we do have several years ahead of us, but in the coming years, it's going to escalate. And you're going to see a merging of a surveillance state. You're going to see the emerging of an antichrist, of an economic system that will be driven by the very false church portrayed in what Brother Jeremy was talking about earlier when Jesus had to come and cleanse it. He came and cleansed it. He's cleansing it now, but it's going to return and even worse back to what it was. Revelation 13, 11 talks about what, what drives this false church. This, which will be headed by a false prophet, what drives it is economics, because it's the one that makes a mark, right? It's the one that makes people worship the beast. It's a false religion, a false church, and the fact that we're witnessing that now is, is, is a signpost, a signal to us that we've reached the anointing of the feet. The end of the body of Christ has come. That is the last remnant body, which will be a glorious church represented by Mary's hair, and this church is being prepared. Not all of us, but a lot of us are being prepared for a coming martyrdom, a Calvary of our own sort. That is what Jesus wow. <laughs> That is what wow. Jesus said. That is what Jesus said when he said, If any man come unto me, let him take up his cross and follow me. Now tomorrow we're going to explore a little bit more of this. But remember, I don't want to leave you there, okay, we're all going to die, because that's not what I'm saying. Remember, 
<laughs> Jesus rose early in the morning on the third day, right? It's Hallelujah. been 2,000 years. It's Glory been 2,000 years. And Paul said, yeah. behold, I show you a mystery. We ain't all going to die. He goes, some of us will, some of us won't. But these days are going to be cut short, he said, for the elect's sake. Then we yeah. which are alive and remain. So there will be some of us who make it through. But all of us are about to be anointed for an incredible thing that's going to come against the church. But Jesus is going to come, and he's going to put a stop to their madness. He's going to judge them. But before he does, and we'll get in this to this tomorrow when we go through Matthew 16, Lord willing, and the rest of this, which we're talking about, before he does, he's going to catch us up into the air. But remember what he said to Peter. Let's just take a look at that and close with that real quick. We'll go back to it. Matthew chapter 16, because this is the thing that Peter didn't want to hear. I know we're going long, but I yeah. hope you, you listen. Uh, this, is what, this is the thing that they didn't want to hear. And this is what's going to be asked to his church. When Jesus in Matthew chapter 16 takes them away and he brings them to Caesarea Philippi, he asks Peter a question. He says, who do you say that I am? And this is what God is asking his church right now. He's asking all of us. We're yes. all going to be asked the question, who do you say that I am? What do you really believe? I've had people tell me that some of the podcasts we've done are way too heavy for them, right? I mean, they just can't handle it. It, it, it frightens them. Well, that's good because it frightens yeah. me too. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm human too, right? I mean, nobody wants – but. But if we understand what's actually happening, something is being born. Something is dying. Something is being born. And those to whom uh, it is appointed to be part of that new creation, they are the church. They are the children of God. They have right to the new heaven and the new earth. But an anchor for the soul and a message of preparation must come to the body of Christ in order to equip it for the prophetic days that lie ahead. So it doesn't enter into it without information and revelation of the spirit. And so Jesus begins to tell Simon Peter, who do you say that I am? And that is what he's asking all of us. That's what he's asking you. That's what he's asking me. Who do you really say that I am? It's one thing to say, you know, I'm Jeremiah, I'm Elijah, I'm, I'm John the Baptist. But what's coming to you will require that you fully understand, I am your Lord. I am God. I am the resurrection and the life. And only this brief moment of trial that's about to come upon the whole face of the earth is all you're going to have to go through. But I, he said, I've been there before you. So take up your cross and follow me. Because what looks like death to the world is actually everlasting life for the child of Almighty God. And we'll get into more of that tomorrow. Would you brothers close with your thoughts? Amen. Amen. Uh, it's, it's incredible what you're saying. And if people who really study the Bible are hearing what we're hearing, they probably ask the question, Brother Marty, Brother Fernando, Brother Jeremy, Brother Jeremiah, are you saying we are – in the midst of the seals being opened up, well, yes. what we are saying is this. 
they it, it looks very similar to what Revelation six that's what's taking place right now. So at least consider if we are right. But we do know that the 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 six seals, the story of the six seals does line up prophetically with the story of Lazarus, because in the story of Lazarus we see um, something similar to the fourth seal taking place. We see death, right? Yes. That, uh, death and that sickness. comes to Lazarus. Uh-huh. that on the fourth seal, the, there's a, a pale horse, and death sits on it, and hell follows it. But then as we go along with the story, we see the manifestation of Caiaphas. We see a manifestation of, of, of Judas, right, the, the two beasts yes. that Revelation talks about. And at the very end of where uh, the Bible speaks about the fourth seal, it says it mentions the two beasts, right? Yes. And then we transition to John 12, where uh, Mary begins to anoint the feet of Jesus, right? And Mark mentions that her that his that she anoints his head, and and we when we transition to the next seal, we see martyrdom, the fifth seal, yeah. right? The souls that are under the altar, and what we're saying is that Mary, by anointing the feet of Jesus. Uh, she was basically speaking prophetically and anointing a future generation. Yes. Who would meet Absolutely. the same fate that Jesus met yes. 2,000 years ago. As so having. we do know that, that the seals align up with the story of Lazarus. Now, as it regards today and our day, are the seals being opened? What we are saying is it could very well be because very well be. it's lining up. And at the very least, we need to consider if they are. But what it's all meant to do is to lift up our heads and begin to say, you know what? Jesus is coming. I don't understand where we're at. You may not understand where we're at as far as prophetic revelation. But one thing is very clear, that God is announcing very clearly to the whole world that he is coming. Amen. Amen. Jeremiah, you got Jeremiah, you have anything to say? Uh, actually, I, I just want to point out something that that you pointed out as well is that um, the hair really is is a is a type of the glory of God that covers the feet, right? And it and it, it starts right as it was in the as it was in the beginning, right? Um, so shall it be in the end? The hair is what covered the head, right? The beginning, and it's the hair that's going to cover the feet. Now, now the feet is the last part of the body, Good. and then what yeah. the feet is, it, it's the smallest part, you know, because you don't have feet that are bigger than your hands or whatever. It, it's a small <laughs> part, and that really speaks of of a small remnant that's gonna be there. Like it's gonna be very few of the people that are gonna understand and that are gonna be covered with the glory and the presence of God in their lives. And I pray that to the listeners that are listening that you guys can be part of that very few that are going to be covered by the spirit of God and by the presence and the glory of God. Cause that's, what's going to make, that's, what's going to take us through, through these trying times. And I just wanted to add that. Praise God. That's awesome. Yes. There's a beauty in Psalms, Psalms 133. Behold how good and how pleasant it is for the brethren to dwell together in unity. Right. It is like the precious ointment upon the head that ran down upon the beard, even Aaron's beard, that went down to the skirts of his garments. And that's that's precious oil, 
that is flowing yeah. upon the body of Christ that ends at the feet. And if we have ears to hear, those of you that are listening, if you have eyes to see, this is where we're heading. God is not asking nothing of us that he hasn't already done. God is not requiring anything of nothing that he's required his son to do. And so we must heed to this to this um uh, to this uh word that's being given to us. We must consider these things. What God is saying, we are truly at the end. We are truly at the end of days. The coming of the Lord is truly near. And we pray that you have been blessed today. We pray that uh you can share this word and podcast to those who um you feel need to hear it. It continues to help us to pass this word and give a warning to the people of God. We hope to see you tomorrow. Tune in as we continue with this tremendous study on what God is saying in this hour. May God bless you. May God keep you. May his peace, his joy be upon you. And as we keep saying here, keep looking up. God bless.